Welcome to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez, the podcast that offers practical advice and tips on how to run and grow your small business. The How of Business helps aspiring entrepreneurs and small business owners achieve their definition of success and overcome challenges that get in their way. This podcast series focuses on the everyday common business issues, challenges, and opportunities that face the small business owner. So here now are your hosts of The How of Business, David and Henry. Welcome to this episode of The How of Business. This is Henry Lopez, and I have with me today a special guest, Amanda Goldman-Petrie. Amanda, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. It's our pleasure. Let me give you a bit of background on Amanda, and then I'll have her add to it. Uh, Amanda is the founder of the website, the web TV show, and the podcast called Market Like a Nerd. She's <laughs> proud of that, too. Uh, and she'll she'll chat about that, and and she's also an internationally recognized work smarter, not harder marketing coach. Uh, she helps entrepreneurs who want to maximize their profits while minimizing the amount of time and effort they put into their business. So we will definitely chat about that. Uh, after overcoming poverty, child abuse, rape, teen pregnancy, and near death, my goodness, gal. Uh, she was able to persevere, and although her first business wasn't quite so hot the second time <laughs> around, second time around she was able to create her first ten thousand dollar month within four months at age twenty two. Uh, her other early successes when she was twenty three include booking over one hundred and fifty thousand dollars in four months with a business partner in a previous venture and creating webinar funnels for clients that tripled sales. We're going to talk about that specifically, webinar funnels. And Facebook advertisement funnels that turned a $700 investment into $100,000 for their clients and more. Uh, After entering the coaching world, she booked over $120,000 in 90 days while also expanding her business to 19 different countries. So we are excited to have you on the show today, Amanda. Please add whatever I've missed on the background that you want to share and tell us about what you're up to these days. Hey, yeah, absolutely. Well, first, thanks for having me and thank you everyone for listening. I really appreciate it. So um, like you said, I'm Amanda Goldman Petrie. Uh, Everyone calls me AGP though, so you're welcome to call me AGP. Uh, And uh, I'm an internationally renowned work smarter marketing coach. I founded marketslikeanerd.com. Yes, like you said, I am very proud to be a marketing (laughs) geek. Like you said, I've had to overcome a lot of different traumas in my life, the child abuse, the rape, the teen pregnancy. I I almost died in a car accident, and that was really the turning point for me where I realized, wow, this is not really a very great life. Um, you know, it's one of those near death experience type types of things where, you know, people say your life flashes before your eyes. And I don't know if it was, you know, a flash, but certainly after it happened, it, it had me start reevaluating what I was doing with my life and, and, you know, what my life meant and and how I was going to make an impact before I actually died next time. And, uh, those, you know, kind of dark and scary and very serious questions that I was asking myself after the car accident impacted essentially the way that I, you know, created this life. I I went out to uh, one of the top 15 universities in the entire world. And instead of uh, Johns Hopkins, and instead of becoming a doctor, like I thought I would, what I ended up doing was I ended up just studying absolutely everything I get my hands on. I studied neuroscience, natural sciences, uh, cellular molecular biology, writing, Russian, Chinese, all these different things. Because after the car accident, I said, I've got to figure out what makes me happy. I've got to figure out how I'm going to, you know, be happy the next time I leave this world. And, you know, that soul searching journey and all of that trial and error eventually led me to marketing. I got a social media marketing internship that was absolute dirt cheap pay, like minimum wage, (laughs) not going to pay the bills, but, but it was so much fun. And, I, you know, at that time in my life, going through all of that trauma, what I really needed was fun. So I took the fun job <laughs> that didn't pay a lot, and I loved it. Oh my gosh, it like set my soul on fire. And within six months of being a social media marketing intern, I quit school. Like I quit grad school. I uh, quit all of my jobs. 
and I went off and I started my first business at the age of 21. And you kind of described that journey. It was also very much trial and error, you know, first business. We made some money, but it was mostly just building buzz for ourselves. And then uh, the second and third business is when I really uh, started to understand what it meant to make money and how to make profit. Um, but in those businesses, even though I was making a lot of money, like you described, I mean, $150,000 in four months, you can imagine what we did in you know a year. And you know that was great, but it was exhausting. I was definitely building the business with the hustle mentality that I had to work hard in order to make money. And so that's why I closed those businesses down because I said, I've got to figure out how I can make more money with less effort. And that's what led me here. So I'll share with you guys a little bit today about what I discovered there, how to do that. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely deep dive into that. There's a a tremendous journey, lots of life in a short period of time, obviously. Yes. Has influenced who you are. Did you, when you think back to childhood, were you always a positive thinker? Did you always have a positive disposition like you do now? Or did you have to find that? You know, it was, it was, I, I think I've always innately been a happy person, you know, but there were, there were definitely times in my childhood where it was difficult to be that way, you know, just because I, I want to say it was around middle school, you know, cause I was with my stepfather. He was, he was abusive. We were with him since I was in elementary school, since I was, you know, a ch- like really, really young, like a couple years old. So, you know, he was who I grew up with and he was very mean. He was verbally abusive. He was physically abusive um, to me, to my mom, to my brother brother. And, you know, when I was really young, when I was in elementary school, uh, it bothered me, but it didn't, you know, it didn't affect my demeanor. I was who I was. And but in middle school is when I started becoming very defiant about it. And I, you know, started speaking up about it. And I started wearing really uh, awesome hot topic <laughs> uh, gothic pants and dyeing my hair all crazy colors and <laughs> rebelling. <laughs> and the car accident definitely, once that happened, um, yeah, I was not my happy self. I was extremely depressed. I was suicidal. Definitely not the way that I am now. Now I'm very happy-go-lucky, but, but all of that, all of that trauma really compounded once the car accident happened, and it was very, very difficult to keep going. How did you pull yourself out of it I mean that's a simple question (laughs) complex is issue and process but there was there a couple of things you could point to that pulled you out of that depression yeah, absolutely. Uh, and it was definitely a long process. I don't want people to hear the story and think that it was it was easy because it, you know, all all life altering traumas, it's it's difficult. And what it really came down to for me was first, uh, the first thing was getting a support system, because when that was all happening, when I was, you know, trying to learn to walk again, for example, learning that I was four and a half months pregnant at the age of 18, those things, I I didn't really have a choice. Like I had to start asking for help. And before that, I was very independent. I didn't want to rely on my parents. I didn't want to rely on anything. The success I got, the accomplishments I had were all on me. And I liked it that way. I was very, very independent. But, you know, when you can't walk and when you're 18 and you have a child, uh, you got to start asking for help. And that was a really, really big piece of my recovery was asking for help from my mom, asking for help from my now husband, asking for help from a therapist. Even I went to therapy for post-traumatic stress disorder. And that was the start of the healing. I think the big thing that really, that really accelerated, accelerated it was removing toxicity from my life. And that was people and, and environments. You know, I, I removed my now ex stepfather, from my life and I removed my older brother from my life. I removed one other person from my life who was a part of all of this trauma and, you know, got them out of my life and then also removed um, the environment from my life as well. So the, the city of Baltimore in general just held so many very difficult memories for me. And it, uh, you know how you just have like, there are certain things that are just triggers that remind you of painful events. The entire city of Baltimore is that for me. Right. Yeah, I can understand. <laughs> so we moved and and um, between all of that, between asking for help, between um, removing those people from my life and between moving away from that environment, that is what really catapulted me out of, you know, those those dark feelings. <laughs> yeah, I can understand that. And thanks for sharing that. I have to believe that the fact that you so quickly after about six months, as you said, 
left your job and went out on your own. That has to have been somewhat fueled by you've been through so much worse than that than what's the worst that could happen with that move, right? <laughs> is, is, am I getting that right? Oh, yeah, big time. Absolutely. At that time in my that was that was when I decided I really wanted to you know, start fresh. And I really wanted to, to move and get out of Baltimore and, and finally create a happier life, you know, not just like a successful life, but a happier life. So quitting my job was quitting that job after six months was also when we decided to move um, to a whole nother state. So it was a lot of change all at once. But you know, it was ultimately change for the better. And I think that's really important for people to keep in mind is, you know, sometimes change is very, very scary. And you have to, you have to say yes to those big changes, because it's really saying yes to happiness. Yeah. But part of it also that holds us back, uh, I'm included in those people who've made that transition from having a career to starting a business is the financial part of it. So yeah, what facilitated that transition? Did you have money saved up? Uh, <laughs> was your husband working? How did you do it? I did not have money saved up. <laughs> uh, my family was very poor growing up and I went to a top 15 university in the entire world. So it was expensive. Luckily, I did get a full ride scholarship. So I, I only graduated with like $16,000 in loans from uh, like summer classes that I elected to take. But I did graduate with with debt and I did not have very many very much savings. But my husband, uh, he was very I got I was very fortunate. I, I don't think you know that you know there's a lot of people who aren't quite as fortunate as I am, but I acknowledge that he's a really big part of where I am today because he's very, very supportive and not just supportive in the you know in the he's not just supportive in that he supports me in doing the things that I want to do. You know, he tells me, yes, if you want to go do this, go do that. But he also financially supported me at the beginning. He, you know, he comes from a more upper class family. And so he had like CDs, he had trust funds and things like that, that he was willing to kind of let me borrow to start my business. And so I really leaned on him in the beginning. And I'm just very fortunate that he was willing to allow me to do that. Yeah, definitely fortunate. That's a great opportunity. Is he, does he still work for someone now? Or is he involved in the business or has his own business? What does he do? Oh, you couldn't get him to quit his job. He yeah. loves it. He doesn't. He doesn't have a serious job. He has a very fun job. So, okay. <laughs> uh, he's a tennis director at um, a world-renowned tennis academy. It's called IMG. I um, see. Yeah, it used to be Bulletary Academy, but you know, a lot of uh, top players in the entire world in tennis have gone through there, and so he gets to he gets to coach tennis for a living. You can't take him out of that job for sure. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I just always, I'm always curious as to what the the spouse or the partner, if they're also entrepreneurial or not, or how that dynamic works. And I've seen all kinds of combinations thereof. Yeah, well, I think because his family was was very conservative, and they're all like doctors, they're all lawyers. Uh, he 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 was kind of the rebel in the family, and he wanted to have a more fun job, not as much of a serious job. And so, even though he's not an entrepreneur, he totally gets the idea of being an entrepreneur and wanting that freedom and wanting to do something that's more fun and it's going to make you happier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. All right, so let's segue into that, this whole thing of the the freedom, and but specifically yeah. the thing you speak to a lot and help people with, which is working smarter, not harder. Uh, and you talk about uh, building a business without the has, has not hassle, hustle and sacrifice. Well, hassle too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I, I come into this question with some uh, some doubts. And of course, me, my background is, you know, you just work hard at things and work mm. harder than the next person. And sacrifices have definitely been part of my entrepreneurial career. So I, when I read that, and when I listened to your stuff, and I did the research, it's like, okay, Amanda, convince me how that's <laughs> even possible, right? So talk to me about this. Yeah, well, so this all came about, like I said, after the second and third businesses that made a lot of money very, very quickly at a very young age. But I was very burnt out, you know, I was exhausted and I was, I didn't feel like I was making enough for the amount of work that I was putting in. Um, you know, I was working too hard for that amount of profit, for that amount of reward. And I just knew there had to be an easier way. I mean, there are entrepreneurs out there, if you look at them, who have very, very balanced 
fun, awesome lifestyles and who make tons and tons of money. John Lee Dumas, he, you know, he makes hundreds of thousand dollars a month off of sponsorships and affiliate income. Um, Russell Brunson, Ryan Dice, they make, um, you know, millions, maybe even billions of dollars a year off of automation. Um, and I could go on. And, and that's essentially what I did first is I is uh, first I went out and I looked as are there other people out there who are doing this or am I just totally crazy for even thinking I could make money with, you know, less effort um, without having to hustle and, and burn myself out? Are there actually people who do that? Uh, you know, I, I kind of wanted to validate the idea, get some evidence to support and motivate me in trying to do it myself. And what I found was, yes, there are definitely 100% people out there already doing this. And that was really great for me to, to see because it was motivation to figure it out. The second thing I did was I said, okay, there's these people doing this. How are they doing it? And I started studying them and researching them. And what I found was that there was no one model <laughs> that worked. Um, there, there was no one model that everyone was using. You know, John Lee Dumas and, and Pat Flynn, they use sponsorships and affiliate income. Ryan Dice, Russell Brunson, they'd use automated um, funnels. Um, Suzanne Evans, Taki Morhi, they use like live events. And then they have uh, coaches who coach underneath of them. Kendall Summerhawk, she does certifications. So there's all these different models. And at first I was like, oh, that makes it a little harder because now I don't have anything to model off of. <laughs> but then my husband, again, supportive as always, he pointed out, he said, no, Amanda, that's a really good thing because that means that you can just, you you can choose your model. You can build it however you want. And, and that was really a light bulb moment for me. I was like, oh yeah, you can make money doing anything. So you might as well make money doing what you want. And so I started looking at them and I said, okay, maybe the model isn't, you know, uh, one size fits all. Maybe that maybe there isn't one model that makes this work, but maybe there are some like things that they're doing that they have in common. And so I started looking at that and there were three main things that I saw they had in common. They all had very leveraged offers. They had very leveraged businesses. And I can talk about more about that in a minute, go into more depth into that in a second. They all had very leveraged offers and businesses. They had automation in their business, you know, systems where if they weren't working, money was still coming in. And then they also all had teams. They were outsourcing. They were delegating. A lot of them had sales teams who were handling the sales calls for for them. And that was a big part of my burnout in my previous businesses as we were phone-based businesses. And I was the best salesperson. I mean, I used to be a telemarketer. And I was doing tons and tons of phone calls all of the time. And so I said, okay, I need a leveraged offer. I need automation. And I need a team. Well, team's easy. I had VA businesses before. Got that. <laughs> but those three things um, are essentially what I dwindled down to my – that's my, my screw hustle freedom formula. Okay. <laughs> That's what I thought. I was going to ask you about that. So let me ask you this. Do you think the formula to some extent still applies to a more traditional brick and mortar business? Let's say I have a restaurant or a retail shop. Can you apply some of these things and it still works? Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the biggest challenge with brick and mortars is the leveraged piece of it um, because a lot of those services are either one-on-one -on -one or they're done for you. Um, you know, like if you're a hair cuttery, you, you know, you can't like automate <laughs> cutting someone's hair. Yeah. Uh, someone has to do it. So that piece is a little bit more challenging. You have to get very, very good at hiring people to do the work for you. But you can also certainly do more leveraged offers. Like I've had a someone who owned a salon who was one of my clients before do like group, do like events at their salon, which is kind of like, if you apply it to the coaching model, it's kind of like a group workshop type of thing. You know, and I have tons of lawyers who I work with as well. And that's kind of more of a traditional business as well. So um, you might have to get a little bit more creative for brick and mortars, but absolutely. Yeah, you can definitely apply this to any type of business. Yeah. All right, so the screw hustle freedom formula, those are these three things that, that you just mentioned, the, the leverage, having a leveraged or a, uh, an offer that's part of your business or another revenue stream of your business, the automation part and the team part. And so then you also talk a lot about outsourcing and delegation. Where does that play in and chat with us about that? 
Yeah, so that's the third part of the formula. That's the so leverage, automation, delegation. Delegation is the third part of that formula. And the th the idea here is that if you want to make more money with less effort, that's what this is all about, right? You want to make as much money as possible with as little work and effort as possible. And if that's the case, then you've got to take the effort off of your plate. And if you can't automate it, you have to put it onto someone else's plate. Take the effort off of your plate, put it onto someone else's plate. That's what delegation is really for. You know? And I also find part of this too is that the faster you implement, the faster you're gonna be able to see results, the faster you're gonna be able to shift and, and figure out what's working and what's not. And when you're able to delegate, you're able to go so much faster. You know, I really believe that a big part of my success, um, you know, being able to create multiple different six-figure businesses at such a young age is because I've always had a team. You know, right now in this business, I have a sales team who does sales calls for me. I have a copywriter who does copy for me. I have a transcriptionist. I have a, an administrative and financial assistant, uh, multiple different graphic designers, multiple different website developers, a podcast editor, a video editor, a membership uh, website editor. You know, I, I could keep going on and on and on, a Facebook manager, a publicist. <laughs> and those people are what allow for me to um, keep moving my business forward, keep taking action every single solitary day, but without me having to be the one that takes the action. <laughs> yeah. and, and some or all of those are uh, might be virtual. In other words, they're not actually employees, but you've outsourced to them, correct? Yeah, I used to actually have employees and I used to have a physical business, uh, like a physical office location in my last couple businesses. But when I was exploring this work smarter, not harder theory, uh, it's not a theory anymore, it's practice now. But when I was exploring it more as a theory and I was trying to figure out how to make that work, how to make as much money as possible with less effort. One thing I realized was that managing employees in a physical office is very draining. Um, I have to commute there, which is more effort. Even just having the face-to-face -face sort of uh, interactions with them is draining for me as an introvert. And it wasn't aligned with my lifestyle. It wasn't aligned with my personality. And so it felt like so much effort. And so I said, okay, I have to really commit and I have to really be stubborn about creating success with the least amount of effort, creating success on my own terms. And as long as I believe it's possible, then it's going to happen. And so I kind of took the risk and I closed down the physical office location. I, you know, didn't take on any more employee. I don't have any employees anymore. Only do contract position. I only do virtual positions. And part of it is that part of it is exactly what I just described. You know, it's draining for me and it and it's not aligned with my lifestyle. But then also you know, if you think about it, my value is to have a balanced lifestyle. My value is to have a happy business. And if working virtually is what makes me balanced and happy, doesn't it stand to reason that that's probably what's going to make my team members happy? And if that's the value of my business, shouldn't I be doing that for my team members? And for me, the answer was yes. You know, I want my team members to be as happy and as balanced and as fulfilled in their work as I am. And so it just really adds to the company culture and it creates this, uh, you know, really respectful relationship between me and my team members where they really appreciate that I care about their level of happiness and I care about their lifestyle as much as I care about my own. Yeah, even though they're not your employees, it's just they're still part of your team and part of your virtual business. Yeah. So we've, we've dabbled in some of that. We, we've used virtual assistants and other outsourcing services. One, one of the challenges I have with it and interested in your perspective is, let's say I've been working with someone for some time and I've been delegating some pretty critical projects or tasks to that person. And then by the simple nature of what they do, they might go away. Either they've stopped doing that or they mm -hmm. get busy with someone else or whatever. I have to then start over with someone else. How do you manage that? Is that where systems come into play? Talk to me about yeah. that. Yeah. Well, so I have a few thoughts about that. The first is if my team members end up getting so much work and getting more and more clients that they can't support me, more power to them. I respect them. I love them. I want the best for them. So I'll always make do. <laughs> and um, if eventually they leave me because they learn enough from me to grow their own business, great. That's, you know, it's great for them. That's number one. Number two is, uh, this is also why I prefer hiring people overseas who can work 
you know, full-time hours who are like 100% dedicated to my account but are still not technically employees or specialists, like people who this is the only thing that they do. And that means that they don't need to go and get a ton of different types of clients. Um, No matter what, no matter how many clients they get in, they're still going to be doing this type of work. Um, So like, with my with my publicity work, so I have a publicist, right? I could have because I do. I have systems. I'll talk about that in a second. Um, I have systems. I so easily could have just hired any old virtual assistant, taught them my systems, and had them do my publicity work. But then I would have run into this this risk, you know, this thing that you're you're describing now. Like they could have, you know, gotten more clients, and eventually, um, you know, I would have been left with without someone to support me. So I paid more. But I got a specialist, I got a publicist, because that means that no matter what, even if she does get more clients, she's always going to be doing publicity work. It also means that it's going to require less training. She's going to be more reliable. She's going to be more creative with it. So full-time, I feel like full-timers is the wrong word, but like overseas people who can be 100% dedicated to your account or specialists tend to be where I go. That's number two. And number three is if you have systems in place for how people are doing the work, It doesn't matter if they leave you because it will be very easy for you to get new people on who can immediately jump in. Like when I hired my publicist within 24 hours, she was, you know, off doing pitches and doing work because I had a system uh, for my publicity work. I had a system for how we how we identify podcasts I want to interview on, how we um, track them, how we pitch them. And I had a um, like a spreadsheet for it. I had an SOP for it, a written and a video version of it. And when I hired her, she went and she watched the video. She read through the operating procedure. She looked at the spreadsheet and boom, she was able to get going. Yeah. As opposed to you having to do a brain dump all over again because it's all in your head. Yeah. And that's a barrier, I think, for a lot of us, especially small business owners, is we we so busy and that's part of what you speak to, that we think, oh, no, for me to document that or create a checklist or create a form, that takes too much time. I don't have time for that, right? But in fact, it's it, not doing that is creating that much more work because that is what makes it impossible to some it, degree for you to delegate. Yeah, it totally screws you over in the long term if you don't take the time to delegate properly. Yeah, so, the, you know, I, I talk about making more money with less effort. And notice I say less, not no. You know, there there is effort involved. It just so happens that the way that I grow businesses tends to be the effort is in the beginning so that in the long run, you have way, 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 way less effort that you have to put into it. Like you you set up the systems now so the systems do the work for you later on. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. And I always look at it as whatever it is that I'm doing, if it's not creating, in other words, the things that absolutely I will do, then can can I repeat that? And that's where systems come in. Can someone yeah. else repeat it for me? And, and that's the key part there. All right, great, great insights. Thanks for sharing that, especially the the specific details there on how you have developed the system for the interviews, because that's that's an area where people think, well, that type of process is never the same and it's more difficult. Yeah, I can document how to do accounts payable, but not that. But that's not true. Systems yeah. can mean anything. Can mean a checklist. Can mean a form. Can mean you know pre-packaged content. It could it could be all kinds of things put together that make that task or process that much more repeatable and that it makes it so that you can delegate and outsource it. Exactly. All right. So let's talk about webinar funnels. I'm excited to talk about this (laughs) concept. I've been uh, dabbling in them and experimenting with them and trying to learn as much about them as possible. And obviously this applies to an offer or a program or, or something typically offered online, but it doesn't have to be. You mentioned the, the salon example. So this these, these techniques can be applied also to traditional brick and mortar businesses. But explain to me, what is an automated webinar, specifically an automated webinar funnel? Yeah. So, um, well, it helps if you know what a webinar is. <laughs> yes. Let's start there. <laughs> um, so a webinar is essentially a virtual presentation that you do. Like imagine this podcast, but with slides and you get people to register for this event to say that they want to see this presentation. You have the presentation on a set day and time. And uh, on that day and time, people come to the event. 
they see your presentation and during the presentation you pitch something and you buy. That's essentially what a webinar is. It's a virtual presentation say, or like sales presentation that you do for people that people register for. Uh, so podcast with slides. <laughs> automated version of it would be where someone is opting in, giving you their name and email address to register for this event, this webinar. And then the webinar just happens without you even being there. The presentation happens without you even being there. And so the what ends up happening is a sale happens without you even being there. There's, you know, softwares that you can use to do this. So we'll talk about that in a moment. But the the goal here is to automate literally every single solitary piece of the uh, client life cycle. You know, the client clients have essentially three steps here in in their life cycle. There's the step where they so there's Actually, this is my three-step system to attracting leads and turning them into paying clients. I know you're going to ask me about that a little bit later, but they there's there's traffic. That's that's the first system is traffic where people have to come into your mailing list and become a part of your community. Then there's the nurture system or the nurture stage where uh, they begin to see you as an authority. They know, like, and trust you. And then there's the conversion stage. Um, or system where they then become a paying client. And so a webinar actually takes care of all three of those systems or all th- an automated one anyway, takes care of all three of those systems, all three of those stages, you know, really, really quickly without you having to be there. You have to set it up, but once it's set up, it does the work for you. Does that make sense before I talk a little yeah, bit about- and it was a traffic <laughs> nurture and the third one, third one was what, I'm sorry? Convert. Convert, got it, okay. Or attract, nurture, convert, sorry. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but attract is your traffic system. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And so, you know, this is this is something that was not necessarily the easiest thing for me to learn. Like if you imagine like automating your sales system, trying to get people to buy without you even being there, without ever having to even talk to you. Yes, like I said, this is work smarter with work you know, make more money with less effort. There, There is effort involved. Um, and for me, that effort was in the setup and the testing. Anytime you're going into automation, anytime you're setting up a funnel, uh, there's testing involved. So I had done webinars, live ones. I had done them for years. But when I started to dive into automation, I had to redo my webinar funnel and redo it, you know, five times before it actually made money. You know, so that's that's the first thing I want people to know when we're talking about these automated webinar funnels is uh, it's going to take time. It's going to take testing. It's going to take tweaking. It's going to take patience. So you're going to have to put in that effort in the short term. But again, it's all going to be worth it in the long run. Like just imagine being able to get sales calls, like hundreds of sales calls on your calendar without having to do anything. Just imagine being able to turn $60 into 100 dollars or a thousand dollars into twenty five hundred dollars without even having to be there that's what the automation does so yeah you have to be patient in the short term but it's so worth it in the long run <laughs> so I get all of that and but thanks for explaining it obviously it, the thing that I've struggled with is can you really launch a funnel like this and have success without first having built some sort of tribe so that attract traffic, nurture, does that have to have gone on for some period of time before the convert Mm. is going to work? No. I mean, you know, obviously if you have a nurtured tribe, it's going to be easier to get the funnel up. Um, But uh, like right now, we're sending cold Facebook advertising traffic, like people who have never met us before, never heard our names before, never seen anything from us before, cold traffic to our webinar registration pages, straight to our webinar registration pages, which um, if you know anything about funnels, you know, that is usually the more difficult way to do it. You know, a lot of people will send people to a blog post first and then to the webinar. We're sending them straight to the webinar and 71% of them are registering. Yeah, that's incredible. And then how many yeah. are, how many are showing up if you can share uh, to the yeah. webinar? Yeah, so about 46% of them are showing up right now. We did have about 70% of them showing up as well. We've been testing some things in the funnel right now uh, to increase conversions on the back end, but it's affecting the show up rate on the front end right now. Okay, um, 46% so- is still phenomenal though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the challenge is these are free <laughs> webinars and so people don't they'll have skin in the game and they tend to drop out. That's why 46% is incredible. 
Yeah, yeah. And then so and then these people are buying too. So for every um one dollar, we're getting two dollars and fifty cents out. Or for every one thousand dollars, we're getting twenty five hundred dollars out. And again, this is from cold traffic, you know? Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. And so let me just jump to this is part of your offering for a client because what you described there it seems like I could go do it, but it's in the how you write the Facebook ad. And it, it's in all of those little steps to actually get those people to click and then to attend the webinar and then how you deliver the webinar. There's there's a science to all of that. Some of it is art, but I've, I've found that that's probably where you help your clients is to put that all together. Am I right? Yeah. So I have, you know, I used to actually just have like a DIY training where, you know, people would go and they would watch these modules and they would, you know, learn my system that way. And I'm really, really big on doing what's best for my clients and getting the best possible results for my clients. And so what I discovered was when there's, when it's DIY, you know, it's really challenging to to have like that accountability piece and it takes people a little bit longer for them to get through things and to get into implementing. So what I kind of how I shifted it and what I do now is I have these webinar workshops where it's like a, think of it like VIP day, but as a group. So it's like a group VIP intensive for five people and we do one a month and five people come to come to these workshops and I basically walk them through the entire uh, program, the entire system for these webinars in, you know, not in person, I mean, it's virtual, but, you know, live. And then as we're going through the system, we're coming up with our headlines. We're coming up with their discovery points for the webinars. We're coming up with their slides. You know, we're coming up with their strategy and all of that for the webinar. And so then and then we actually do some of the slides for them. Like we'll create these slide templates for them. So it's they get the strategy. They also get the live implementation that we do together. And then they even get some done for you services out of it as well. And so what I ended up seeing from that, once we kind of shifted to that model and we started doing these webinar workshops is even the total newbies, like people who had never done webinars before or had never tried automating before, you know, they were going off and they're on their first tries making $16,000, on their first tries making $2,500, on their first try making like $5,000 and then automating it and within 24, 48 hours making $2,000 and continuing to make sales, more and more sales. And so that model has been really really effective for our clients for sure yeah no this 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 approach works it's just you got to know how to do it and you got to leverage an expert like you to help you with it so market like a nerd offers these webinar workshops like you said there's five people only in it what other services do you all offer yeah, well, so the other main one that that I do with people right now is these these VIP days where uh, I'm actually creating custom 90 day marketing plans for people where I am mapping because I'm really OCD like I'm calling market like a nerd, right? right. <laughs> uh, so you can imagine I'm super nerdy and scientific and like OCD about the way I do things. I mean, I create a system for everything and I have a system for marketing plans. And so what I do is um, I bring people. Um, um, to Skype one day uh, together and it's an intensive. So from, you know, 10 to 12 and then from one to like three. So it's about four hours or so. Um, we're doing these VIP days and uh, first we get clear on their offers, their, well, their niche, their positioning in that niche, their signature system, their offers. And then we choose one offer because you can really only market one offer at a time effectively anyway. And you can really only automate one thing at a time effectively anyway. And so we choose one core offer and we say, okay, how much money do you want to make off of this? Whether it's, you know, $30,000 or $500,000, how much do you want to make off of it? And then we break it down into the numbers. Okay. You want to make this much based on the price. Here's how many you have to sell based on how many you have to sell, how many prospects do you need or how many people do you need on your list? Because usually anywhere between one and like 8% are becoming buyers. So you do the math to figure out, okay, this is how many prospects I need. And then we break it down into weekly action steps for a full 90 days. To build that funnel, to drive that many people to the webinar that then the percentage you calculated on is going to convert. 
Yeah, so usually it's a three-step process for the 90-day plan. It's uh, We map out a cash injection campaign, which is how are we going to make you money right now to support everything that we're, well, one, to get your money back, because um, that's really important to me. Like I, um, I have clients who will actually make their money back before they even come to the VIP day, or within two weeks they're making $14,000, and boom, they've made all of their money back. And uh, so we map out that cash injection campaign first, how they're going to make their money right now. Then the second thing is how are they going to do this launch live first? Because when you're automating, you do you do the funnel live first and then you automate it right. after. Um, so then it's the live launch. And then the third step of the 90 day plan is the automation. So it's usually a, one per month, essentially, because it's a 90 day plan. Okay, wonderful. Amanda, so for small business owners who, let's say, they're not ready yet to launch their own automated funnel, webinar mm -hmm. funnel, but they've got a couple of properties, they've got a website, they've got a blog. What can we start doing? They're capturing emails. What can I start doing as a small business owner to continue to build that tribe, to do that mm -hmm. attract and generate traffic and to nurture that tribe? Yeah, well, so I'm a big believer in different steps for different levels. You know, if you're a new business owner, your action steps, your focus is going to be very different than someone who's looking to scale. And that's going to be very different from someone who has already scaled and is looking to really make their business more impactful from like a philanthropy standpoint. So and let's so say, let's say we're starting out. So I've just, yeah. uh, just launched my business. It might be a brick and mortar business. Where do I start? Yeah. Well, so for each of those levels, you want to have one main focus. That's it. One main focus. So it's going to be really tempting, like you said, to work on like nurturing and list building and all, all these different things like the content that they're creating. Um, but the number one most important thing for new business owners is honestly sales calls, like get people on the phone because it's the fastest way to to um, to sell people. It's the fastest way to turn someone from a prospect to a paying client. And that's true whether you're a brick and mortar business or you're a service based business is get people on the phone. So with new business owners, that's typically what I'm teaching them is the sales system. How do you how do you get people to schedule? And then once they've scheduled, how do you actually sell them into your offer? And that is the number one thing you should be focusing on as a new business owner. And le okay, so but let's say I'm a, a different type of business. I'm a restaurant, for example, so I don't have my customers' phone numbers or prospective customers. Is it about blogging? Is it about website content? How do I create those lead magnets then to attract traffic? List building, yeah. So if you're if you're in one of those very rare industries, um, like restaurant was a great example. If you're in one of those rare industries where you wouldn't be getting people on the phone, then you would need to focus on list building. And that is kind of difficult to give someone like a catch-all answer because depending upon the niche, it would be different. Like if you're a service-based business owner, you're online, um, let's say you're a coach, or even if you're a virtual assistant, I would say that uh, hands down the best way to build your list and your visibility all at once as a new business owner is a telesummit. And I know that some people don't like that answer because telesummits, I, I think, get a bad rap as being a lot of work. But uh, but again, when you have systems for it, it's not that much work. And I think they're a lot of fun. Um, and that's the best way to build your list. But then also typically with a telesummit, you, are, you have an upsell, right? Like people can buy a VIP upgrade for the telesummit where they get access to all of the recordings um, for life. And I usually bundle in a phone call with those. So I'm killing two birds with one stone. I'm building my list and I'm and I'm getting the phone calls as a new business owner. But obviously for a restaurant, you can't do <laughs> you can't do a telesummit. I think that'd be a little weird. <laughs> what, what is a telesummit? Uh, so it, think about it like um, 21 webinars in a row, but with uh, experts on them. So like joint webinars or even uh, actually an even better example would be like 21 podcast interviews in a row with different experts. Um, essentially you get anywhere between 10 and um, the one I'm doing right doing right now and that I'm planning for October is 37 experts and you interview them. It can be audio, it can be video, you know, whatever. You interview them and uh, people register to get access to those interviews. And the interviews 
come out, they drip out like one a day for about 30 days. And then after those 30 days, they go away, they go in the vault, you know, and you can't get access to them anymore unless you buy the VIP ticket. And that VIP ticket gets you access to the recordings even after the summit is over. I see. And and those are delivered and and accessed by the listener. How? Depends upon the format. If it's audio, then it's usually some type of software like Instant Teleseminar where they, uh, you know, there's a different event for each interview. And you dial in and you hear the interview. If it's video, I'm usually using something like Webinar Jam um, to deliver those. Okay. All right. And I'm familiar with Webinar Jam. That's one of the platforms that helps you do the automated webinar funnels, correct? Yeah, I don't use Webinar Jam for my automated webinar funnels. I use Stealth Seminar for okay. that because they're, I mean, their customer support is absolutely incredible. I mean, hands down, the absolute best. Um, webinar Jam, I use for pre-recorded videos that I want to appear live. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I understand that. All right, good. We've talked about a lot of great stuff here. Um, I just want to make sure that the listener can have some takeaways here because this is such a complex topic. One of the bottom lines I'm taking away is that there is a way without having an established large audience or tribe, whatever you might call it, to generate, as you said, those from those cold leads to feed enough of a funnel into a webinar initially live then automated that will convert uh, for these Mm -hmm. certain types of services and and businesses that that lend itself to be sold this way but that is being done today and people are making a heck of a lot of money using this model today yeah absolutely all right let's start to wrap it up i want to go a little bit personal again on your keys to success in your business life we talked about some of this at the start Uh, one of the things you mentioned that i thought was very insightful was that you learn to remove toxicity from your life whether it's people or places and that's been key and instrumental to your success you also talked about the team and we talked about that can be a virtual team like it is in your case that led to your success. Is there anything else when you think back that has been key to your business success? Yeah, really my my laser focus on one goal at a time I think has been very, very instrumental because I think as entrepreneurs, a lot of us are creatives and we have a lot of different ideas. And I mean, I certainly do. I've got like 20 different launches I really, really want to do. <laughs> um, but I know realistically, um, I would rather do one thing with excellence than many, many things with mediocrity. So, you know, for the last eight months, I didn't do a single launch. I was, you know, I was able to pay myself through my automated, my recurring income, but I didn't do a single launch because I was 100% focused on my one goal of doing my rebrand, you know, launching market like a nerd, the brand. And, you know, in those eight months, I went all out with it. And uh, after I launched it, oh my God, like the floodgates opened. It was, it was amazing. And then after that, my one goal was collaboration. I want to do as many interviews as possible for my podcast, for other people's podcasts, for my telesummits. I want to do interviews, 100 interviews in 90 days. And um, we were able to get ourselves on 30, 30 plus interviews in 30 days. And now we're working on 190. And that really, really laser focused effort towards one thing at a time has been instrumental in getting me where I am today. Great insight. Were you always that way or did you have to learn that? Hmm. Probably had to learn that. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm still learning it. That's that's probably one of my biggest challenges. I call it the shiny object syndrome. Yeah, I mean, I definitely. There are moments when I really have to rein myself in because I do have so many things that like. I, and I love creating funnels, so I always want to create so many different types of funnels. But I just know, you know, one thing at a time, Amanda. <laughs> So on this whole topic of funnels, where would you send someone uh, to start learning about it? Are there resources on your website? Where do I go to start learning about this approach to business? Yeah, so there are three main funnels that I've used in my business, or three main launches, I would say, that um, are very leveraged launches um, that allow for you to take in more clients and make more money with less effort. And so I have a webinar, and yes, it's an automated one (laughs) Uh, on my website that you can access for free that is about those three launch strategies. It's called 50 Clients in 90 Days, How I Repeatedly Welcome 50 New 
new ideal clients every 90 days and the three launch strategies you need to know to do it too. Yes, it's a mouthful, but it converts really well. (laughs) And so you can access that webinar on demand at marketlikeanerd.com forward slash 50 clients webinar. Fantastic. I have not watched that, but I'm going to do so. And I'll have a link to that on the show notes page. And our listeners can find that at thehowofbusiness.com. So thanks for that. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to help. (laughs) All right, let's start to wrap it up. I could talk about this all day, but we can't. And uh, (laughs) let me ask you, uh, is there a book that you've read in the past or recently that you would recommend to our listeners? Yeah, well, so I'm a huge book nerd. And and when you told me you were going to ask me this question, I had a really hard time figuring out what to say because I love so many different types of books. But um, I think the book that I would love to honor, um, or the author, rather, that I would love to honor is the one who uh, got me into this marketing obsession in the first place. Who, uh, You know, I would not be where I am today if not for reading Dan Kennedy books. <laughs> uh, when I was a social media marketing intern, one of the things that made me fall in love with marketing was reading Dan Kennedy's books. He has this whole series of no BS books. And the very first one I read was no BS direct response marketing. And direct response marketing is what I do. Um, if you don't know what it is, go look up the book, No BS Direct Response Marketing by Dan Kennedy. It is extremely critical when you're marketing to make sure that it's direct direct response. <laughs> Fantastic. Thanks for that recommendation. That Dan Kennedy's books get recommended on a regular basis with the folks that I speak to. So. I'm, not yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> it's good stuff. Yep. And so we'll have links to that as well in the show notes page at the How of Business. Awesome. All right. As we start to close it up, any last parting thoughts, comments to our listeners who are either looking to make the transition into becoming their own boss or are existing small business owners looking for ways to grow? Any last thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. Screw hustle. Declare war on it. (laughs) Um, And for anyone who tells you that you have to hustle or you have to to sacrifice, work hard in order to be successful, tell them to uh, tell them that You just have to work smarter, not harder. And it all comes down to leverage, automation, delegation. Um, If you have any questions about that, I'm more than happy to answer. Um, Thank you so much for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. (laughs) It's our pleasure. Where can folks find out more about you and about Market Like a Nerd online? Yeah, well, so actually the best place to find me is in my free Facebook group. I run a free Facebook group Facebook group called The Balanced Entrepreneur because that's what I want to help you guys become, balanced entrepreneurs. Um, and I am obsessed with Facebook groups, so I'm in there every single solitary day. is the fastest way to get me. Um, you will get answers from me personally. Um, and you can join that at marketlikeanerd.com forward slash invite. There's no opt-in or anything. You literally just go to the page, you click the button, it'll take you to the group. Fantastic. And we'll include that link as well in the show notes page. Cool. Amanda, thanks for sharing. You uh, you shared with us some personal insights and opened up about your past. And that's always inspiring and enlightening. And of course, your, your knowledge on webinar funnels and automation and working smarter. Fantastic time. Thanks for sharing with us today. Yeah, of course. My pleasure. Folks, thanks for listening to this episode of The How of Business. If you're listening to us on iTunes, we would welcome and thank you for subscribing to our show. And we look forward to having you on the next episode of The How of Business. Thank you for listening to The How of Business with David Begin and Henry Lopez. We hope you found practical ideas to help you start, manage, and grow your business. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave a comment on iTunes and go by LevanteBusinessGroup.com and learn more about Levante's resources to help you with your small business. Until next time, thanks for listening and go live your dream. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.